Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Success in Finance. Joining me today is Catherine Marks. Catherine is currently Head of Group FP&A at O2 and she is going to talk us through her career to date, including her time at Deloitte uh, where she worked in reorganisation services, transaction services, uh, had a secondment to Zurich and worked in both Birmingham and London before moving on to RBS where she spent six years in global restructuring and head of complex disposal support and then went on to Viacom and New Day before ending up at O2 as head of group FPNA now. I hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget subscribe, share and comment. Thanks. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for joining me on Success in Finance today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for, for having me on. Hey, great to have you, Catherine. Um, do you want to get us kick-started with a quick summary of your career to date and then we can uh, go into a bit more detail? Sure. Um, I guess I see my career sort of falling into three acts, if you like. Um, so the, the first one was uh, the, the foundation years. Um, so this was my time in practice. Um, I spent around seven years uh, working for Deloitte, um, where I qualified um, with my ACA um, and worked in um, primarily reorganization services, um, also a bit of transaction services, um, but got a a great grounding for my uh, future career. Um, The second part was really all around M&A. So I moved to RBS and spent um, something like six or seven years there. Um, So I was primarily um, in the non-core division of the bank um, that had been set up after the financial crisis uh, to dispose of various businesses and assets. Um, So yeah, worked as as part of an in-house M&A team there um, and had the opportunity to work on um, quite a few landmark deals, um, which was great exposure. Um, and then I guess the, the third part, uh, which I'm currently in, um, but has covered a, a few different roles, um, but that's really been about um, expanding my more BAU finance experience. Um, so, yeah, previously very much in, in project roles. Um, so now sort of coming to, to more BAU stuff. Cool. No, thanks for that quick summary, Catherine. Um, so rewinding a bit then, you, you did a degree management with German from Nottingham. Was it at that point you sort of knew finance was for you or did you fall into it? Uh, yeah, was it a conscious decision? Um, I guess as I was coming to the end of my four years um, and particularly after the, the year I'd spent working um, in Zurich, I came to the decision that I'd really like to get a professional qualification um, and that's what led me to to start looking at finance um, and accounting as a a career Um, and and one of the things that really attracted me to the the qualification was how transferable it is you know I think it's it's given me a lot of flexibility uh, around what you can do um, lots of different avenues to explore. So did you say you did a year in industry in Zurich then whilst you were at uni? I did, uh, but I was in fact working as a recruitment executive, uh, not in in finance. Good call, good call. How was that? It was good fun. You didn't fancy pursuing a career in recruitment. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you never know. That could be uh, be Act Four. We'll we'll see. <laughs> uh, but no, I guess I, as I said I, I thought it was really important to um, you know to to get out there, get a professional qualification, um, and yeah, the the flexibility around the the ACA really appealed to me. Cool. Um, so you ended up at Deloitte. Was Deloitte sort of your your first choice? Did you apply elsewhere? What what stood out to you about Deloitte? Um, I really liked the people I met um, and the culture. Uh, it was my first choice. Um, when I started looking into um, the routes available, um, I was more interested in a corporate finance route um, than uh, the the more traditional audit or or tax routes. Um, so I looked around for you know who had those opportunities in the Midlands. Um, I, I decided to to stay around that area. Um, so looked at who who had opportunities, um, and, and Deloitte uh, recruited um, a, a graduate into their reorganisation services team every year. So you were the one pick. Good work. I was the one pick. <laughs> nice. Um, well, yeah, so, so talk me through the, the sorts of clients you worked with there then and the type of work you were doing. Um, to what level did you get to in reorganisation services? Because I know you then moved about a bit. But. I did move about a bit and, and ultimately um, ended up as assistant director. Um, so worked my way um, sort of up the, the ranks. Um, I started out in the Birmingham office um, and stayed there until I qualified, worked on a whole range of, of different clients. Um, I think, you know, that's one of the, the beauties of, of working uh, in a, a regional office is, is the variety of stuff that you're, you're likely to work on. Yeah. Um, so very much enjoyed that. Also worked on a range of insolvency engagements um, and advisory engagements um, and, you know, found myself um, kind of more drawn to to the advisory work again because of the flexibility that that would give me in in the future um you know I think it's a really commercial uh skill set um that that allows you to to develop um and is quite transferable to things like transaction services um employs a, a, a lot of the same skills um so in, enjoyed that then felt it was time to to move on after I'd qualified um, and it just happened that um, it was the time that Deloitte UK bought the Deloitte Switzerland firm and they knew that I'd worked in Zurich before um, and offered me an, an opportunity to work in uh, the the financial advisory team in the, the Zurich office um, so I went and did that for something like 18 months two years um, which was great great fun um, work somewhere different um, you know, see how things worked in a different place. But ultimately, I, I missed um, the, the kind of big ticket opportunities that, that might be offer, on offer for me uh, in London. Um, and I felt that it was just the right time for, for me to, to join the London office, uh, which I did. Um, that coincided with um, the global financial crisis. Um, so I found myself back in reorganization services. Uh, as you'll know, uh, that, that was a very busy time in, in that kind of line of work. Um, so I found myself thrown into the deep end on uh, um, you know, some uh, some deals there or, or some some projects, restructuring projects, should I say. 
um, which, yeah, was uh, was an incredibly busy time, but you know, absolutely fantastic exposure um, and, and a lot of international work as well. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple of things on that then. So you mentioned when um, when you went out to Zurich, was it that they they asked you if you wanted to do it rather than you having to proactively pursue it? I think it was a bit of both. Yeah, I had conversations um, with um, my my managers at the time, um, and they knew that I was keen to to get out and get some different type of experience. And you know, it, it just so happened that the the stars aligned with the um, the Zurich opportunity. But I guess if it hadn't have been that, you know, perhaps it would have been something else. Um, you know, they were um, very supportive um, in in terms of helping me to progress my career. Um, but yeah, were there any particular projects that you wanted to sort of draw out specifically? Um, I'm just thinking it, it sounds like a really interesting time to be doing uh, reorganisation services, as you said, in, in the crisis. So were, were there any, because I'm assuming at that time they can't have all been success stories. So was there, I don't know, any projects you worked on, you did loads of work and then just couldn't couldn't keep them afloat? Um, not so much. I mean, I, I, I guess that's the, the beauty of um, working in advisory, because you know, hopefully you've, you've, you've got in there sort of in the early stages. So there is something that, that you can do about things. Um, you, know, you, you can understand what the, the options available to you are. Um, you know, often you'll, um, you'll be engaged by a bank or a, a group of lenders. Um, to go in there and and you know understand what the the financials are, are looking like and it's important you know that 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 happens sooner rather than later um, because yeah as you said you leave it too late and uh, and then it's a, a different story um, but I'm pleased to say that uh, that that wasn't the case um, on those uh, those projects that that I was working on um, but yeah it was a, a really interesting time to work with different departments at Deloitte as well um, and you know, with these sort of large um, banking groups. Yeah so obviously you got quite good varied experience over that seven years what what was it that led you to to move on was it I don't know you, you got opportunities run by you that started to pique your interest or were you proactively looking to leave um, yeah, what what ultimately drove you to to take the step to RBS? I guess you know once I'd I'd been there for something like seven years, um, I'd just made assistant director, and and I asked myself, do do I want to be in practice um, forever, or is it time to to you know go and see perhaps what's what else is out there? Um, and I felt like it it was the time to to go and explore something else. I think you know the the other factor in um, practice is you know once you sort of progress up up the ranks a bit at, at some point your your role becomes more sales focused and, and I felt I was sort of hitting that that turning point um, and for me that then felt like the right time to to go and explore something else. Um, I got the RBS role um, so initially I worked in their restructuring group. Um, and I actually got that as a result of the relationships um, that I built up on um, that. In fact, the, the first restructuring project that I'd done when I joined the, the Deloitte London office. Um, so I think, you know, 
shows you the importance of uh, networks and relationship building. Yeah, I, I was going to say, does does that? Uh, yeah, what what have you got to say on the networking piece? But has that um, has that been a recurring theme? Has, has that happened subsequently with any roles where you you've ended up there because of someone else you knew or a good job you'd done previously? Yes, I'd say pretty much all of them. Yeah, you know, I, I can't stress the importance of that enough. And even um, in other roles, the the new day role that I um, came to jumping on a bit now um but you know, I, I was introduced by a, a recruiter for for that role um but uh, subsequently found out that um, someone that i'd worked with at, at rbs had uh, um, only recently left so it was a great opportunity to you know have a conversation with him and and understand more about the company so yeah absolutely believe in the power of networks relationships and uh, and the power of linkedin as well yeah yeah, no, I fully agree with you on that one. But um, so going back to RBS then, um, you said another six or seven years there. So initially in the, the global restructuring group, so was that more doing what you've done in practice and taking it to, to the industry side? Um, can you just go into a bit more detail about the work? Sure. Um, no, it was a little bit different. Um, so given the huge influx of, of cases that had come into the restructuring group at that time. Um, they had decided to set up um, a, a strategy team um, to look you know, across the, the whole portfolio um, and investigate whether there were strategies that could be employed at a portfolio level rather than uh, just individual cases. Um, so that was that was an interesting role. It was you know, something new to the group. Um, and I did that for it was a fixed term contract. Um, so I did that for about six months. Cool. And then um, ultimately moved into head of complex disposal support. So that sounds uh, really interesting. Um, how long were you in that team and what sort of work were you doing there? Yeah, so I moved over to um, the non-core division of, of the bank um, that had been set up um, you know, after the, the government bailout of, of RBS to, to dispose of various businesses and assets. Um, and it was essentially um, an in-house M&A um, team that, that I joined. So I, I worked in transaction support, um, but, but working with many others to, um, to execute those deals. Um, so preparing the, the businesses uh, for exit processes um, and working with the management teams of those businesses um, to help develop their their business plans um, and and help them prepare um, the presentation material um, and data room material and and other things that that they would need for for those exit processes. Um, so yeah, lots of again really interesting deals, um, quite varied, and um, they all came under the financial services umbrella, um, but you know, they, they ranged from uh, a, an IPO in the US um, of uh, a, a banking group called Citizens. Um, you know, other projects were, um, I did a few leasing companies, so an aviation leasing business um, and uh, a, a rolling stock leasing business, uh, a shipping business um and uh, what else uh retail banking uh 
in in various different countries. So, yeah, huge huge amount of uh, of different deals, um, and and each one you know, had its uh, different different things to consider, uh, different challenges. Um, so really interesting. Yeah, no, sounds uh, sounds very interesting. And just on that then, because I know you you did a bit of transaction services during your time at Deloitte, but obviously it was primarily on on the reorg side. So was that quite a steep learning curve, or had you sort of got the skill set from from the work you've been doing at Deloitte to to go in and smash that job from day one? Um, I think the the work that I'd done at Deloitte had prepared me quite well. Um, but that said, you know, there, there's always a huge learning curve um, when you're coming to understand a, a new business um, and the economics of that business and and what its issues are. Um, so I think you know, it, it's it's always about sort of throwing yourself into to each one, um, talking to people, um, understanding why the, the financials behave the, the way they do. Um, so, yeah, al- always learning. Yeah. And um, so what ultimately led you to, to move on from RBS then? Um, I'd done, again, another sort of six, seven years, I think, um, and worked on um, a, a large number of deals. Um, but you know, the, the unit, which had by that point become um, capital resolution, was originally the, the non-core division, um, you know, it had set out to to achieve a lot and you know it had it progressed very well in that that journey um so that was sort of coming to an end um and again sort of took a step back and asked myself right do i want to be in MA type roles forever um do i want to be in financial services forever um and you know my answer to to both of those things was no not necessarily um it's all been fantastic experience um, but you know, maybe it's time to to broaden my horizons. Um, and I started thinking about, you know, would I ultimately like to strive towards being a, a CFO? Um, and thought, well, the the way that I would do that is um, is to put some more BAU finance experience uh, on on my CV. Um, so that's that's what I sought to do next. Yeah, because I was going to ask when you said, do I want to stay in the M&A financial services? And you said, no, not necessarily. I was going to say, why was it that it was a no? Or is it just more that you wanted to to broaden your exposure now before it's too late and give yourself the opportunity to go into, well, down the CFO route instead? Yeah, I just I think it's interesting to to see different things and see how things work in, in different industries. Um that can be a challenge. Um, you know, I know not everyone out there is open to that. Um, you know, some people put a, a lot of value on uh, industry experience, and and that can be the case for for some roles. Um, but I'm a strong believer that if you're the the kind of person that is prepared to um, accelerate themselves up the the learning curve every time, actually, you know, there's there's a lot of transferable skills that you you bring to um you know, to to the roles that you're you're looking at and the industry experience can be learned um so yeah i've been fortunate to um uh, you know come across people who were very open minded to that um and have allowed me to um step into the 
media industry um, and most recently um, the telecoms industry. Um, albeit I, I did do a stint back in financial services uh, in between those things. So so never say never. Yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, then you uh, you left RBS, moved, as you say, completely different sector, different uh, type of role. So you went to Viacom in an FP&A type role. Um, how did that come about? And how did you sort of obviously you've got a great skill set but how did you sell yourself to do that specific role that you'd not necessarily done before um so again that came uh through network um yeah. so yep yeah another example of uh of, of the power of that um and i guess in terms of how i sold myself um i i emphasized the the transferable skills that that I bring you know I've said it quite a few times now but but it's absolutely true you know obviously I, I wasn't bringing the the industry experience but what they were looking for was someone to to come in and help them with their cash flow reporting um cash flow forecasting and and ultimately cash flow management um it was quite it was in its infancy at Viacom at, at that time um and needed someone to um sort of put some project thought behind that um, so I, I looked at you know the, the roles that I'd done in the past um, and asked myself what was relevant um, for, for those uh, for, for this particular role at, at Viacom um, and you know, emphasized those things yeah no uh, yeah and as you say especially if it was more of a, a focus around cash flow and forecasting is that's not unfamiliar given what you've been doing before is it so um, but sometimes, you know, you do have to help people to to understand that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think not everyone in the world, but but people can be um, you know, a, a little bit tick boxy, you know, looking for certain things on your CV. Um, but but actually, you you may have gained really valuable experience just in a different way. Um, but yeah, it, it takes a bit of thinking about how you position that. Um, and and also, you know, looking for for those open-minded people. Um, it's it's not everybody, but um, they are out there. Yeah, yeah. And we, so was that a, a fixed-term contract, sort of setting up that function, and then, as you say, back into to the financial services industry with New Day. What sort of brought you back into it? I, I know you said the the opportunity sort of came about, and you knew someone else in your network that had just left there. Um, so what made you go back into financial services or was it more the specific opportunity? It was the specific opportunity. Um, you know, it's, it was, again, a really interesting thing to, uh, to get involved with. Um, you know, a very different type of company, um, much smaller, um, private equity owned um, and had been through several rounds of private equity ownership. Um, so, you know, ultimately, um, as as you'll know, with uh, private equity firms, they, they they always have an exit uh, on the horizon at some point. Um, so, you know, the, the, my role involved doing a, a bit of thinking about that, um, but also um, you know, looking after uh, the investor relations function. Um, so we uh, had high yield bond investors. Um, and my role covered sort of 
creating the um, quarterly earnings presentations uh, for them um, and you know, responding to their queries. Also got the opportunity to sort of reposition the, the company through the annual report. Um, so that's something that I'd not been involved with in the past. Um, and because it was a much smaller company, um, got to work on things that I just would never have touched elsewhere. You know, the, the whole creative side of it, which is you know, mm-hmm. something that you don't uh, generally associate with with finance, um, but but actually, you know, worked hand in hand with the the marketing team there, um, which which was really great fun. Probably yeah. learned way more about you know, colours than uh, than I ever thought I needed to know in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds really interesting, actually. I mean, um, I don't know how much there is to say, but is there a bit more you can tell us about that? Like, what what were the things that you learned? Was it, did you look at other annual reports to sort of get ideas or was it more just collaborating to, to work out what message you want to put out to the market? It was really about the messaging. Um, so it was, you know, how can we take... The, the historical positioning of this this company and reposition it from a, a digital perspective, you know, to highlight all the the great work that was was going on at, at New Day, um, to digitalise things for for the future. Um, so it was really about sort of thinking through that positioning and what were the right KPIs um, to be presenting in the report, um, as well as changing the the whole look and feel of the the creative side of it. Okay, so part of it was actually, did you did you get rid of certain KPIs then, or was it that you projected externally different ones to to those that were maybe important internally? Or, well, I would say that you know it, it's always important that you've got consistency between yeah. your external and and internal KPIs. Otherwise, I think you know something's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was just, you know, the the, the right time for us to, uh, as an organisation, to be sort of pivoting. Um, you know, the story of um, the the organisation had moved on um, from, you know, what it was in the past to where it was going in the the future. Um, so it was it was all about thinking through what what are the right KPIs that um, you know, that the, the business monitored um, on an ongoing basis and that that told the the story of uh, of where we were headed. Cool. And uh, once again, was, was that another contract role? It was a contract role. Yes. So I uh, I had a, a series of, of contracts. So yeah, Viacom was a, a contract, um, and uh, New Day was uh, as well. Before I ultimately arrived at O2. Yeah, so tell me about O2, what appealed about this role um, and how's it going so far? So far, so good. Um, what appealed to me, um, I still, um, the, the, the roles at, at New Day and, and Viacom were a step towards more, more BAU finance, um, but I, I felt like I, I still had further to go. Um, so you know, head of FP&A role um, felt like the right step to take. Um, so I mean that's that's what appealed to me about the role, um, an opportunity to to broaden my BAU finance experience even more. Um, you know, 
at that point, I had not anticipated that, well, A, COVID would come along, um, which, which meant you know, a whole new approach to, uh, to reforecasting, um, and B, the proposed JV um, with Virgin Media, um, which, as you know, is um, still in a live regulatory process yeah. um, with the, the CMA uh, to, to reverse on. Um, but it's meant that you know I've had the opportunity to to get involved in um, the integration work um, on that proposed JV as well. Um, so so that's been uh, another, albeit unanticipated and albeit not quite BAU finance um, experience. But uh, yeah, very interesting uh, expansion of of my skill set. Yeah, and you mentioned the the impact of COVID on on the forecasting side of things. Has it settled at all now? Or I, I imagine initially it was just impossible. But how did you go about it? It was a challenge um, because you know, of course, COVID came along and and brought along uh, a, a lot of questions with it in terms of what what impact that would have on our financials. And and in the early days, it's it's difficult because you know you don't have any track record. Ordinarily, when we do forecasting, we can you know look at the the trends of the last few months um, and then you know consider what what impact that's going to have uh, going forwards. Um, but this was a complete game changer, um, yeah. much more difficult, um, and you know things were changing fast. Um, you know, no one knew, no one could have predicted at that point that you know a year later we'd we'd still be in lockdown. Um, what that that pattern would look like, what that would do to customer behaviours, um, and I think you know what it's really highlighted is the need for agile forecasting, which you know in in a large organisation can of course be a, a challenge when you're working with different teams, uh, lots of different stakeholders, uh, lots of different data sources. Um, so yeah, mobilising that uh, is is a real challenge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sure you can't say too much on the joint venture, but what sort of challenges has that brought for you and, and what, what's been useful that you've learned along the way? Yeah, I mean, maybe one to uh, come back to in, <laughs> in a year. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, what I will say is it's, you know, we've had to think about how you bring together two very large organisations um, and you know, integrate uh, the, the management reporting and, and planning, um, which in, in can be very different in terms of uh, the, the way the organisations are, are set up, even down to, um, you know, and, and most large organisations or, or organisations in general are, are guilty of having so many uh, three-letter acronyms um, and other jargon. Uh, so even down to sort of unpicking that stuff um, is, uh, yeah, is a challenge bringing it back to some some real basics yeah no, i can imagine um okay so we've sort of gone through your career now catherine and obviously you've, you've done a lot and you've achieved a lot so with that in mind what advice would you give to aspiring finance professionals um i guess i'd say four things firstly be open to learning um, and what that looks like. Um, you know, most of us, when we start out, you know, you've possibly been through university or other exams, and then we, uh, you know, 
go into some kind of uh, accounting qualification. Um, but you know, learning doesn't stop there. You know, it, it came as a bit of a shock having you know, been in that cadence for, for quite a while um, that, that it seemed to stop. But it doesn't. You know, it, it just comes in another form, um, you know, learning on the job. Um, so, yeah, be open minded to, to what that that learning is going to look like. Um, but, yeah, keep doing it. Um, the second point I think is really important is finding the right culture um, and people to work with. Um, and I'll be honest, when I started out, finding the right culture isn't something that really occurred to me as um, as being all that important. But, you know, the the further I go through my career, the, the more important that, that I realise that is. Um, and also, you know, the, the people that you report to and and your peers around you, you know, they, they say that people uh, join companies and, and leave bosses. Um, that's that's no doubt absolutely true. Um, and I think, you know, finance can be hard work. Um, you know, certainly I've had to face some difficult situations and, and that becomes, you know, all the more achievable and, and enjoyable with with good people around you. Yeah, um, just, just on that one. So how do you, well, how would you suggest people go about finding the right culture? Because obviously an interview process is a bit of a snapshot. So it's not always that easy, but are there any ideas? You're right. It's not always that easy from you know a one hour interview uh, or, or or whatever you have. But you know, speak to as many people as you can. I mean, maybe you know other people inside the organisation. Um, there's also a lot of you know, often a lot of public information out there, depending on who the the organisation is. Um, but but lots of stuff that you can um, you know, do your homework on um, and and ask lots of questions. Um, you know, most organisations will will have their values um, you know, set out on on their website. Um, so you know, ask about those things and 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 what that means um, during the the interview process. Yeah. Cool. Did you have a couple more? Sorry. I, I do have a couple yeah, more. Yeah. <laughs> um, the third one. I think we've we've already sort of touched on it um, through the conversation. Is is about network um, and and maintaining your network. Um, you know, LinkedIn, absolutely great place to start um, to, to maintain things. But you know, as, as we've touched on, uh, the majority of, of my opportunities have, have come through, through people I know or I've been able to, to get insight on um, you know, what, what those organisations are, are like to, to work for through my network. Um, it's, it's a small world out there, really. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth thing is you know, I recommend understanding you know, the, the very wide ranging role of the, the CFO and the, the finance function um, and something that it it's, might be useful to, to Google um, is Deloitte's four faces of, of finance. Um, I, I've seen it other places as well, but I think it's a really useful way to, to think about um, what what finance does it, it talks about four different roles finance as um, uh, an operator a steward a catalyst uh, and a strategist um, so those the steward and operator roles are, are really 
sort of the more traditional backwards looking um, sort of focused on financial reporting and, and compliance um, and, and all those good things. And then you know, the, the catalyst and the strategist roles you know, are, are really where you know, we can start adding value on top of those things. Um, so it's, you know, how how do we in, in finance help to drive people towards change um, in, in processes and, and systems, for example? Um, and then thinking about the strategist role, you know, it's uh, the CFO's role is is to help to align business strategy and and finance strategy um, and and work with uh, together with the exec team um, in in terms of the the strategic direction of the business. Um, you know, for me, that's it's just a really useful way of thinking about things, and and in particular where the future's headed. You know, more and more we we'll automate or outsource the um, you know, the more transactional elements of the role. Um, and then it comes down to you know, the, the real value add being the storytelling, the, um, yeah, how, how you pull those um, pieces together, tell the story of where the business has come from and where it's going to and, and helping the organization um, to, to play its role in, in creating value. Yeah, no, I've not heard that before, but that's really useful, actually. Um, thanks for that, Catherine. And the final question then, the three key attributes that have enabled you the success that you've had. Um, so I had a good think about this one. Um, yeah. I think the first one, <laughs> quite. I think the first one, you, you can't get away from hard working. Um, yeah. you know, finance is, is definitely not an easy choice. Um, you know, there's yeah, just no get, getting away from being hardworking and and accountable for you know, you know, the responsibilities that you you take on and uh, deliver against. Um, the second one I think is intellectual curiosity. Um, you know, the the roles that I've had um, have required a lot of joining the dots um, and. It, it's not just about solving problems, but it's about identifying them, you know, anticipating what's what's coming up. You know, why is this going to be an issue and, and what are the options we've got to, to do something about it? Um, so you know, you're, you're bringing the problems and the, the potential solutions. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, make so what your mantra you know, yeah. we, we can do all the, the number crunching uh, in the world, but but in the end, there's no point uh, at, unless we're we're answering that um, that so what question. You know, what what am I going to do with that that insight that I've gained um, and and play it back to to my business partners and and challenge everything, you know, particularly in in large organisations. You know, I I've lost track of the the number of times that that I've asked. Why why we do things in in this way, or why we you know, report things in this PNL line, or you know, whatever it might be, and the answer is well that that's just how we do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know, that's never been a good enough answer for me. I think you know sometimes we can do things for for a very good reason in the past, but that reason may have fallen away, um, and there may be an opportunity to to do it better in the future. Um, so yeah, always always ask why. Like it. Well, thank you very much, Catherine. Was, was that everything? Were you going to say? Uh, 
No, I was going to add the, the third thing um, that I think is really important, particularly for, for the future um, and, and thinking about those um, sort of catalyst and, and strategist roles that, that I was talking about. Um, and that's emotional intelligence. Mm. I think the, the role of the CFO and of the finance function has evolved and will continue to, to evolve you know, away from only those uh, traditional responsibilities. You know, it's it's a, a huge remit. Um, and I think you know, it, it's really important to, to be able to engage with, with different stakeholders um, and, and bring that insight to them and, and understand their concerns um, and, and be more connected as, as a business and, and as a board. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thank you very much for those three, Catherine. Um, it's been great to have you and uh, yeah, hope you've enjoyed it. I have indeed. Thanks very much. Cool. No worries. Thank you. So that was Catherine Marks. I hope you enjoyed listening to Catherine's story. It was great to hear about the uh, career experiences that she's had, as well as the three key attributes that she noted in achieving uh, her success in her career to date, which were uh, always working hard. Um, you're an accountant, you can't get away from that. Intellectual curiosity, always asking why, and emotional intelligence. As always, don't forget to subscribe, share and comment. And uh, once again, hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks.